Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. It is December the 11th. That makes it 12 11 23. We are rock and rolling live here on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Where are you watching us? Are you on Rumble? Are you on Twitter? Come join us on Rumble. That's where the chat is. I see you guys are already bumping. Every time that I turn away from it and I pause to read something that you guys write on there, I look down and there's like at least another 100 messages. It says 99 plus and I have to max it out. So thanks so much for joining us in the chat. Thanks for joining us this morning. Looking forward to a fairly packed out show. When I when I uh, laid out today's show, Ryan said, I think you're going to go over an hour. So be it. That's the nice thing about not being uh, beholden to anybody else. We're not on anyone else's schedule. We're looking forward to bringing you guys a whole bunch of stuff. We're talking about convergence. Convergence is when several things run together. We'll get into the definition of that after we talk about our sponsor, Catholic Vote. So let me go do that real quick, and then we're going to dive right into a whole bunch of stuff. If you saw our thumbnail, actually, Ryan, throw the thumbnail up. We're really proud of this one, guys. So we're going to show you what it looks like again. If you are watching, uh, you see it. But if you are listening to our audio channel, what you are missing out on is a very confused look on my face holding uh, Donald Trump inside of a rabbit hole. <laughs> where his face is on the rabbit. And then we've got all of our favorite cast of characters that are going to be playing in today's show. We've got Kevin McCarthy. We've got Sheila Jackson Lee, famous for our intro video. Chris Ray, uh, also famous in our intro video. And there's Joe Biden. So a convergence of many things are going to be discussed today. I don't know. I just really like the way that looks. Everything about that is kind of fun and silly. Uh, let's let's get right into it with our friends over at Catholic Vote. So uh, you can go to catholicvote.org. Obviously, you can go there and you can sign up for the loop. That's a great idea. You should do so. They have an outstanding list of uh, of articles today. Actually, I want to pull it up because there were a couple things I saw on there that I didn't even realize was coming in. And I will share a few of them with you today. One of them was that an assailant stabbed a priest to death in a rectory in Nebraska. I'm sure the FBI will get right on that since they've been handling all of the FACE Act violations. Uh, they talk about the UPenn president resigning for anti-Semitic comments. That's uh, going to be something we're going to talk about today. I think it actually plays into the convergence that we're seeing. We're seeing House lawmakers launching a probe into the top universities. Oh, interesting. How about that? Sheila Jackson Lee covering that too. Handful of things on there. And uh, I guess probably the one thing that we are not talking about today, but you can go to Catholic Vote and read about Elon Musk reinstating Alex Jones on Twitter which is a big deal. He uh, immediately started back with at least a million followers. Uh, Going to be a good time. And also, since we might as well update it, the Tournament of Catholic Champions for 2023. I don't know what a Catholic champion is, but we are in the running. We being me in this case, I guess. And you all are going to be sort of represented by proxy by the uh, Kyle Serafin Show. We <laughs> made it on to the next round. We beat Trevor Williams. So I want to cover uh, a little story about Trevor Williams and who he was, uh, why he was at least listed in there. If you want to pull up that New York Post article, let's just do that. So Trevor Williams uh, got famous uh, in addition to being a baseball player for being sort of a Catholic hero for someone who was going to stand up for the right things in the right way, a very suspendable thing to do. He ripped the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Do you guys remember those? Those are these weird transy, um, transvestite dudes. They're men dressed up like Catholic women um, wearing, wearing nun outfits. Pretty disgusting stuff. And he thought it was really inappropriate. And so he spoke out about it, probably at some risk to himself. 
and uh, did so saying it deeply troubled him, calling on fellow Catholics to reconsider their support for the organization, specifically the Dodgers. Dodgers got massive backlash. Uh, Catholic vote actually raised about a million dollars to push against this sort of awful decision to normalize the ridicule and the sacrilegious sort of uh, the sacrilegious push against Catholic nuns. And so that's why he stepped forward. And obviously, as many of us know, if you say the right things, if you say things that are aligned with a faith tradition in this country, you can not only be investigated by the FBI, but you can actually be financially canceled and you can find yourself out of a job, which is not a good thing. And so he took on that risk. That's why he was in the tournament. Uh, ultimately, he was able to keep his salary and his paycheck. And maybe that's why. I was able to triumph over on that one. Anyhow, we've moved on to the next round. We've moved onward to the, I think, semifinals, I guess. And it's a pretty much the people that we said should be out there. In fact, uh, I didn't put it out there, but let me read it to you. I didn't send it over to Ryan. I'm going head-to-head -head with a archbishop named Jose Gomez. We'll read about his story a little bit later on. And the voting doesn't start yet. And Mark Hout advanced, and so did Lila Rose. So Mark now in maybe his most difficult bracket Lila Rose, the founder of Live Action, and Mark Howe going in, and uh, and then me and the Archbishop. So that's it. Greg Abbott didn't advance. Ryan, are you are you heartbroken? I'm so bummed out, man. I actually wanted you to knock out Greg Abbott, but <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> uh, Ryan loves Greg Abbott. It's possibly his favorite. Okay, so. Let's press onward. Let's move into what we've got going on today. And what we've got is someone, some of you are familiar with the name. You want to play the first couple seconds of our intro again? Do you have that ability? Can we play the first couple seconds of uh, the woman? Who Are you familiar with FBI special agents Kyle Serpin? Uh, Kyle Serpin. Is that yes? I'm familiar with the name. I'm familiar with the name. I'm familiar with the name. There it is. She's familiar with the He's familiar with the name. She can't pronounce the name. The name is Sarah Finn, sweetheart my dear, Sheila Jackson Lee, who was running for mayor of Houston, a major American city in Texas, America. Unsuccessfully, it turns out. The voters have spoken, and they've spoken overwhelmingly to say that they were not interested in a Sheila Jackson Lee mayoral term in the city of Houston. Do you think it's because she couldn't pronounce my last name? Do you think it's because of all the positive press that she's been going after FBI whistleblowers? Probably not. Probably unrelated altogether. But let's Let's cover down on how well she did. Now, she went up against a another Democrat, a state senator in the state of Texas. So a pretty low-level position comparatively. I think state senators make $10,000 in Texas or something. I mean, it's very, very small um, for doing that job. And this guy named John Whitmire, uh, Whitmire destroyed her, like straight up ruined her. 57% of the polls reported showed almost a two-to-one margin. He beat her. Let me see where the numbers are here. I just saw it a second ago. It was like, it was 60, 64, I think, to 36. I think that was the number. 64 to 36 was the reported victory. Like I said, almost a two-to-one margin. Absolutely demolished her. The, uh, the people of Houston have spoken, and they want nothing Nothing to do with this. Now, interestingly enough, they're both Democrats, so that's worth noting. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, this guy, this guy John Whitmer, or Whitmire rather, I don't know why I can't say his name. He is kind of like an old school liberal, which uh, Ryan inaccurately just diagnosed as a communist as we were prepping today. 
the uh, he's not a communist. He's kind of like the old school, like we want to spend money on public safety and we want to spend money on things that are sort of union supported, which is not going to go over well in Texas because we have right to work. But there's a whole bunch of things that are sort of like the old school where we used to disagree on policy. He's kind of a policy disagreement guy. Sheila Jackson Lee is sort of just like a useless creature that has been in the swamp and luckily has been turning against. Now, we have some video. She was interviewed uh, as she conceded and uh, mispronounced a number of words, probably 15% of the words she tried to attempt there that were outside of just the basic the um, the basic uh, sentence glue. Couldn't get through it, but we're going to play that video real quick. Let's see, that one I have on video number two. You want to throw that one up, Ryan, and, and give people a taste of just what a magnanimous loser she is. Hey, one more look at the results as we transition to Sheila Jackson Lee's watch party. Our Corley Peel was there at the Ensemble Theater. Corley, the congresswoman, spoke shortly after Whitmire. Oh. Hey, Bill, we're here live right now. Um, I'm here with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. You just spoke to your constituents. How are you feeling right now? Exhilarated because this has been a wonderful journey. It's been a journey of getting to know more and more Houstonians, more and more of their ideas, more and more of the opportunities we have in this city with the great talent we have in this city. And it also says being a public servant is a great, great opportunity to make things happen. And I look forward to doing that. And when you came out here earlier thanking the crowd, you mentioned that you also wanted to congratulate John Whitmire on his win tonight. And you said that you plan on working with him in the future. Can you tell us what that looks like? Well, I, absolutely. Um, uh, Mr. Whitmire will be the next mayor of the city of Houston. I have worked with every single mayor um, as I've been a public servant, either as a city council member or a member of Congress. Uh, and I look forward to being as helpful as I can. Uh, but when you help the city and help the mayor, you're helping the people. And that's what I spend my time doing, helping the people. I campaigned on kitchen table issues. I still feel that we must look at and take care of the most vulnerable people in this community who are trying to make ends meet. Um, and that means finding ways to help with affordable housing. Public safety is crucial for every neighborhood, but also job creation and housing. So the young parents trying to make ends meet and a good education. And I'm certainly want to continue to work to make HISD and our other school districts the best in the nation. <laughs> a couple things are fun. One, when you repeat the same issue over and over again because you're so incompetent at what you do and you mispronounce words that are simple like vulnerable, there's an L in there, sweetheart. If you miss those kind of things, people kind of go, maybe you're not the most qualified person to run a whole city. You also saw that the margin for error in that, 50,000 votes to about 95,000 votes, it's not very many votes that move it. That's why local elections are so important. Houston is a big city, folks, and we're talking about maybe only 150,000 people total went out and voted in a city that size. That's wild. That's wild to think about. It means that you need to go out there and make sure that you are voting in your local elections. That's really what that tells you in so many ways. Uh, but also kind of fun to see. She was talking about how she cares about affordable housing and also affordable housing. If you heard caught, caught that, that was the first and the last things that she was trying to say. While she's doing that, she's got those glitzy people. One of you in the chat, I think it was uh, uh, Joe Dirt, was telling us that uh, those pants. Did you see the sparkles on the lady that was walking in the background? She's marching around in these like red sequin pants. I don't know where you would go and buy those, nor do I know if you were like, I've got the perfect occasion. I'm going to wear my red sequiny shiny pants. But the handbags that are in the background and, the, and sort of just the wealth and, and sort of the group of people that are moving back there. Also, you can't make up for a major market like Houston. Can we not get a better reporter to go out there? Who knows what the difference between the word constituent and challenger are? 
Anyway, um, here's the real story here. This is why it's so disingenuous to think that she's out of everything. Sheila Jackson Lee is not going to be the mayor of Houston, Texas, but she has until 6 p.m. today, this Monday, the 11th. She has till 6 p.m. to decide whether or not she's going to refile to run for her congressional seat. So she timed that perfectly, didn't she? You think that was an accident, folks, that she was going to find out even at the end of this runoff? Because what happened was there was a general election. There was no outright winner. There was a runoff election between her and, uh, and her challenger. And then, of course, what did we see? She lost as of the end of the week. Now she's able to decide today and determine whether or not she wants to run again for her seat that she has in Congress that she's held forever. Pretty, pretty cynical stuff. Pretty gross. To see. I'm sure she will rerun. I'm sure she will re-up re, uh, re and, and will be reaffirmed into her sort of prestige. That's why she has that crown of hair. I've been told it's called a corona. I think it's just called stupid looking. Let's press on. You know what's funny? Also, I get told that I'm not supposed to tell people that they're stupid looking. But like when you're that lady, you're stupid looking. So the uh, the convergence, this was the word that just suggested itself as I was drinking coffee this morning, getting ourselves warmed up to go and do the show. Convergence is when multiple streams either of air come together and air generally pushes upward when multiple streams of water currents in the ocean come together and they push downward and they create either a vortex or they create sort of like this upward draft. And all those things are kind of like what's going on in American politics right now. We're seeing all these different trends and I think they all kind of lead to that rabbit hole, which you saw uh, Ryan was so good about putting Donald Trump's face on the, the rabbit deep in that sort of vortex and all these people. They're all spinning around this same thing, this Trump derangement syndrome, this this cover up that happened, this sort of 2019, 2020 lunacy that we all live through moving into 2021 and, and creating the, the even more aggressive police state than was uh, previously in existence. They're all kind of they're all losing, interestingly enough. But they've all kind of come together in the same way. We're going to cover another story here. This is a uh, coming right out of the. Um, this is coming right out of Twitter. A guy named uh, Kyle Chansey puts it up, or Cheney rather, and it's it's the the court filings, okay, that that came out for Trump's indictment out of the District of D.C. Now, weirdly enough, um, the government, in what it always does, is trying to resist discovery. Discovery is the process where you are a defendant and you are entitled to all of the things that the the charging entity, in this case, the prosecution, and, and in this case, federal prosecution, is trying to use against you. And they oppose all of this. Now, I got to see this firsthand when I was actually doing my sort of lawsuits against the FBI. I did them all pro se, so I'm not a particularly good lawyer, and I didn't win any of them. But then again, you're going up against the unlimited resources of the federal government. They have all the time in the world, and they don't care about fairness. They don't care about justice. What they care about is winning, and they defend the government's position, which is very weird for those of us who grew up in a, in a constitutional republic thinking that the government was sort of disinterested in the outcome. Uh, we, we talk about this all the time. I know Steve Friend has picked up this banner. We picked it up from Bill Shipley that the government is actually not vested in the outcome of criminal prosecution or even civil prosecution. Its job is to make sure that the process is fair and respected. That's what we would expect. That's what we would hope from our federal judiciary. And if you'll pull up the uh, the court listener document there, Ryan, it just says this is the United States of America versus Donald J. Trump. Just looking at that makes you almost have shivers run down your spine at how strange it is. This is the criminal docket, and this is the government's opposition to defendants' discovery motions. 
We're going to talk about a few things in it because it's worth noting. It says the information he seeks is not in the government's possession and in many cases does not appear to exist and in any event is not discoverable pursuant to Brady, the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure 16, or any other authority, the defendant's motions should be denied. Now, Donald Trump is asking for a lot of information that is allowing him to uh, just basically say, I want to re-adjudicate the election of 2020, which is what they opened the door with the charges they did. He should be entitled to a fair defense and a, and a, a vigorous defense of himself. And in doing so, if the government doesn't have this information, there's no reason why it wouldn't. It should be able to say, you know, we have basically done all of the work and we found out that this, that these things don't exist because we have adjudicated. But what they did is they basically dodged it, said, well, we didn't do any of this work. And so therefore we don't have any of the evidence you're asking for. Very, very troubling. And then they actually go on to sort of make fun of Donald Trump and uh, his defense team. If you'll pull up the, uh, the little screenshot there, that photo number one. It says the, the defendant's simple declaration that admissibility aside, the evidence certainly aids his defense doesn't mean that it is so. It says any such information is not relevant to the charged conduct or even a valid defense in this case, and the defendant has provided no support for his requests. He's entitled to everything that the government has or should have. Denying defendant's conspiracy theory, this is my part that makes me want to just like jump through the screen and choke out whatever paralegal wrote this thing up. Denying the defendant's conspiracy theory-based demands for disclosure concerning alleged government informants. We know that they're not alleged. There were government informants that were in the crowd. Chris Ray has said as much. We know that that exists. We know that they were there. They've actually been named in a number of trials, including the Oath Keeper trials and the Proud Boys trials. They describe it as baseless, heavy on conjecture, but light on facts. Um, how about the facts exist? The government has a duty to turn that information over. The government's effort to blame law enforcement for the riots, for which they were a victim. Apparently, law enforcement were the victims of these riots, even though there's a lot of evidence that both people were involved in instigation on both sides. And I don't think that anybody who was involved in violence, the cops that were doing bad jobs, sending less than lethal munitions and flashbangs into crowds that were not fighting them behind the crowds, driving them forward towards the, the barricades, they were at fault as well. And we found out from certain interviews with uh, people that were involved in Capitol Police that they had no idea what they were doing with those tools. Less than lethal tools are tools to be used to either de-escalate or drive people back or deny areas. And rather than fire their, their um, crowd control munitions and leave the tear gas and things like that in the, the zone that they wanted to deny, they threw it into the place where all the people were and they had nowhere to go except forward, which is also really foolish. But anyway... Uh, all of that being said, they des they describe the 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 attempt of what Donald Trump is trying to do as like a bank robber trying to blame security guards who failed to stop his crime. Ultimately, law enforcement's inability to present the Capitol siege has no bearing on the allegations. Uh, it turns out if there was actually a vast conspiracy, which it seems like there was at least there's at least inklings of that a number of people were conspiring to make sure that there was not a proper law enforcement response against all of the protocols that exist in Washington, D.C., because protests are very common there. If that is the case, um, I think Donald Trump's request for all this information is totally reasonable. And, uh, of course, we're going in a D.C. judge, so we don't expect it to be adjudicated in a fair way. It says the defendant fueled his supporters with knowingly false election fraud claims. Of course, they weren't investigated by the FBI, as I've shared with you guys. Uh, directed an angry crowd to the Capitol. Of course, that was after there was already a breach of the Capitol, so that's interesting. And then um, didn't try to stop or quell the crowds, as though Donald Trump now actually has the ability to personally control 
tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who marched over to the U.S. Capitol, the vast majority of whom were peaceful. Pretty weird. Anyway, uh, this is the findings. The, uh, the, they, they have a very long document basically arguing against his right to conduct a fair defense of himself. This in and of itself should be problematic for most people. If you want the process to do it, if you want to claim a victory over a Donald Trump, you have to do so fairly. You have to do so fairly, and they have no interest in doing so. But luckily, uh, you'll see it's not actually being particularly successful in that. Let's break away for one second and say thanks to my friends over at Patriot Cooler, who are obviously fueling our work today. This is the 16th October. Let me think about this. The, the Christmas season's coming up. It's gift-giving time. i got to reach under the desk here. Don't you want to see this? When you open up your, uh, your your wrappings, I kept the box for all of these. I have all the boxes downstairs. Some people will know this about me. I am a box keeper of many, many things. I have an entire closet full of boxes, whether they be gun boxes or my favorite products. And this is easily one of my favorite boxes. Look at this. <laughs> Everything about it I really like. They did such a nice job with the packaging on this stuff. It's got the star. It's got the Patriot Coolers piece here. You guys can go to patriotcoolers.com. Promo code Kyle gets you 10% off. We're still working on trying to get them to bump it up. I think their logistics just don't allow it. So many of you took advantage of the uh, the, the Black Friday sale and got the 20% off, and I'm glad you did. Uh, look at this. Just a, just a fantastic-looking box, product. Um, I had some of you tag me on social media. The, even the even – the, the, uh, will you pull up the 50-quart real quick, Ryan? Pull up the 50-quart and, and show it in blue. Show it in that turquoise. What do they call it? Aquamarine? I called it turquoise. Tiffany blue. Yeah, Tiffany blue. It looks just like the same color as Glock. These actually are really stunning in person. I saw them in the back of a truck. If you guys are following me on Twitter, you guys know I retweeted it. It actually looks really good, even though I would otherwise consider it kind of a feminine color. I'll tell you what, nobody's going to guess that that is somebody else's cooler if you take it to a party at the river or if you go tailgating or something else. And man, it actually looks fantastic. So check out patriotcoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle. You get $50, uh, $50 or more, you're going to get free shipping. Pretty easy to do. You can buy a couple of those things and hand them all out as your Christmas gifts. Nobody will be mad at you. Easy gift for a boss that falls into the parameters of appropriate work stuff. It's better than sending some of the other things you guys might be thinking of, some of your bad ideas. Or give them a suspendable hoodie. You never know. All right. Let's keep pressing onward because this corruption, it really does know no bounds. But the fun thing, I think, the convergence is, is that the left has actually sort of overlapped on itself to the point where it is now attacking the left. And that, for me, is when things get really fun. We got a video outside of a Starbucks. Ryan's going to play it at very low volume. All you're missing out on is a, basically a bunch of angry crowd people in New York. But let's go ahead and run that video. What video is that? That's video number uh, four. There it is. Okay. So for those of you who are who are watching on our channel, you're going to be able to see there's NYPD officers. There's a, This is a Starbucks, and I believe it's in Manhattan. And these people look trapped, man. They look like they are stuck in a fishbowl. And if you're listening and you can't hear it, we've turned down the volume on a bunch of angry pro-Palestine mob protesters. And and people are doing the things. This is night, which is also kind of weird to me. I don't know if it's like early and dark, but you get this guy, someone had written, written Gaza on the brick wall right outside of it in multiple letters. They just scrolled it on there either with chalk uh, or a, like a paint pen. And you've got a bunch of cops that are basically keeping regular people who all look like they probably vote Democrat they're stuck inside. They're trapped by an angry mob, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Now this guy's got a sign that he's holding against the window that shows something. Uh, it's a UN flag saying something. Who knows? Like the UN's a commie organization, so that's fun. He's got that little uh, Palestinian shemog deal. And these people are basically trying to avoid eye contact with the angry protesters outside as they sort of look like captives. There's something very fun about all this. There it is. Genocide Joe has got to go. Is that Joe Biden? 
resistance until liberation. People wear like white guys with white hair with bull horns wearing Palestinian flag. Like this is the weirdest, stupidest timeline. We're seeing people living in fancy buildings that are getting uh, accosted by protesters who are in you know masks and stuff like that. This is the left eating the left. They're eating their own. They're attacking their own. They're screaming at their own. They're threatening their own right now. And you guys are seeing just more and more of this. They're all losing their minds because it's sort of folded in on itself where now leftists who are not far left enough, who are like, hey, maybe uh, genocide is too far. Maybe we shouldn't be uh, siding with terrorists. That's something that they can't, they can't get behind. So now you're not far enough left. It was always going to be this way, by the way, folks. It's always that way. They always talk about holding onto the, the the tail. You can like, uh, you know, maybe the crocodile will eat you last. No, I was going to say it's like the white rabbit. It's like a psyop inside of a psyop inside of a psyop. <laughs> it so is. It continues on like this. And the fun thing, uh, you guys may not know the history of this. So we're going to bring up, what is that from? Um, in these times. So I found this left-wing article on like a leftist propaganda site because that's the best way to kind of get this stuff down. Um, if you bring up this article here, it says Starbucks is exploiting the violence in Gaza and Israel to attack its union. Just take a deep breath and process that. Starbucks, a BLM left-wing corporation that is so rotten and has expelled cops because they made people feel unsafe. That organization is now exploiting the violence in Gaza and Israel to attack its union. There's something so fun about that because at the end of the day, Starbucks, even though for all their virtue signaling, for all their woke values, they're all still trying to be a corporation that makes money. So the president of Workers United, Starbucks has a number of different unions. And depending on what state you live in, you can be a part of a different union that is Starbucks employees. They join others and they start their own. And the claim is, is that Starbucks is endangering their own employees. Oh, boy. Now it's going to be the danger game. Okay. They're, they're endangering their employees, and they're even appearing to endorse boycotts of their own stores. You've got one worker quoted here in the headline, I am afraid. My mom doesn't want me to go to work. Really? Your mommy doesn't want you to go to work? Well, is your mommy going to pay your bills? Because maybe so. All right. So this person who wrote this article, let me see the name on it. It's uh, Lynn Fox, L-Y-N-N-E Fox. This is going back to October of this year. Started off by letting us know virtue, which is that my grandmother and my aunt were murdered at Treblinka, one of the deadliest Nazi concentration camps, six months before the liberation. Grandfather died. Okay. So you have family members who were victims in the Holocaust, and that's why they're pro-Palestine. Just take a, take a moment to appreciate the ridiculous, disgusting irony in that. This person goes on basically saying, you can imagine my deep shock and hurt when this week, the world's largest coffee company launched a series of attacks on me, on me, and more than 9,000 Starbucks workers who voted to join in a union alleging that we support terrorism, hate, and violence. The company seized on a single tweet from the Starbucks workers united. Wait a minute. So the company seized on the public statement from your union. Weird. Why would they do that? Uh, expressing solidarity with Palestine, which was written by one person and not authorized by the union or its workers. You don't think that people in that union feel that way? The weird, gender-confused, facial-piercing, hair-colored in unnatural ways? I mean, it conveniently ignored other tweets that called for peace. Do you know who didn't call for peace? The people in Gaza that decided to invade Israel during a ceasefire and came in through the fencing. 
It's totally, it's totally disingenuous. They, this is always the case, right? They, these people always act like they're the victim. That's what their stock and trade is. So the company, which is the evil corporation now, even though the company, generally speaking, fills in with all of their leftist values, the company, using that one tweet over and over again, falsely painted Workers United, whose forerunner, forerunners include International Ladies Garment Workers Union, the Amalgamated Clothing and Textile Workers Union, and were all founded by Jewish immigrants who work, welcomed workers from every race, religion, and ethnicity, called them the unhinged supporters of terrorism. I don't think that's actually what Starbucks says. It's actually fairly, it's fairly moderate in its statements. But because they believe that Starbucks is using this to bust their union, now they're the victim, and they get to cry about it. Hence, you're going to see a bunch of people protesting outside of that Starbucks in a way, like I said, it makes me laugh. It makes it funny for us that are on the outside watching it. It's like, oh, they're not leftist enough for you, so now you're going to cry about it. It's fairly amusing, and it actually ties in very single, like in a very uh, sort of unique way to what happened at an Ivy League school. So I would say Ivy League schools that teach you radical gender theory and some of the other dumb things actually are one of the few places that will train you to be a barista at Starbucks. I think that's what they actually are doing. Um, you walk out with a gender studies degree from UPenn or from Harvard or from Stanford or from Yale, Columbia or whatever else, and you're going to end up serving coffee in New York City, trying to live your leftist dream. And amusingly enough, one of those people, the president of UPenn, actually got canceled for similarly stupid, tone-deaf information. We're going to play a video. Actually, we got two videos back-to-back. -back. Then we're going to read the article of CNN breaking down for us. What went wrong for this poor lady? Um, she would have otherwise been a hero, and she thought she was doing the right thing. Let's start with video number five, Ryan. Let's go ahead and just kick it off here. This is Liz McGill uh, speaking under question she was testifying in front of Congress because she was a, she's formerly a president of an Ivy League school. Not anymore. All right, let's roll the video. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking specifically calling for the genocide of Jews does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. <laughs> that was what I would call a pregnant pause. Um, the one thing that I would encourage is that all members of Congress and all witnesses in front of Congress get a 30-second primer on how to use a microphone and stop eating it. It's really, really awful for our sound bites. It's very hard for us to play them when you continually put your face hole too close to a condenser mic or swap them all for dynamic mics. That's just my take on it. Uh, it'd be nice if they did that. So 
There she was, smugly smiling. It's very interesting to me that these Democrat-style witnesses, uh, she was testifying in front of the House Education and Workforce Committee. I could do without that whole situation. I don't know why the U.S. House needs to be doing committee hearings on Education and Workforce Committee. Like, why do we have that? Uh, yet another thing that's gone off the rails in this country. But, interestingly enough, she was trying to play the the card where she didn't upset the students and didn't have one of those riotous Starbucks mobs outside of her office. And then uh, she basically was successful because now she doesn't have that office anymore. And that's how that played out. Now, interestingly enough, she knew she stepped in it after the backlash started coming down because it sounds fairly callous to say that you can talk about genocide, but you can't do genocide. Let me be very clear, though. I actually am 100% in favor of people saying whatever it is that they want. Those people in the streets have no ability to carry out genocide. And I am much happier knowing that they exist and the numbers of them that support it than not. I would rather them not be underground organizing themselves in like on Antifa groups and stuff like that without knowing the, the, the pure numbers. Put them out into the street. Let them march around and say their bad ideas. Then we all know who they are and we know what to do. That doesn't mean that there are not going to be consequences for your stupid actions or your stupid statements. That's the thing. I'm not talking about cancellation. And I'm certainly not talking about government censorship, but it is interesting that if they have a code of conduct at that school and they are not willing to carry it out and they are only willing to carry it out on one side or the other, they get federal monies. That should be a real problem. So this woman decided to try to fix it up. This, uh, this uh, Liz McGill tried to fix her mistake and she issued this statement. I don't know how tone deaf you can be, but it's pretty fun. Let's do video number six. You can just see, you, well, you'll know the result is, is that she, she failed in fixing it, but at least she tried. This is kind of funny. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been the irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. I wanna be clear, a call for genocide of Jewish people is threatening, deeply so. It is intentionally meant to terrify a people who have been subjected to pogroms and hatred for centuries and were the victims of mass genocide in the Holocaust. In my view, it would be harassment or intimidation. For decades, under multiple Penn presidents and consistent with most universities, Penn's policies have been guided by the Constitution and the law. In today's world, where we are seeing signs of hate proliferating across our campus and our world in a way not seen in years, these policies need to be clarified and evaluated. Penn must initiate a serious and careful look at our policies, and Provost Jackson and I will immediately convene a process to do so. As president, I'm committed to a safe, secure, and supportive environment so all members of our community can thrive. We can and we will get this right. Thank you. Okay, I'm convinced. 
Just kidding. That's terrible. Uh, let's let's uh, dissect that in just one second here. I just noticed uh, we got a bunch of you guys that are joining us. Thanks for joining us for the broadcast. If you guys want to give us a thumbs up on Rumble, we're at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you're watching us on another platform, please come join us on Rumble where the live chat is saying exactly the way that I feel, which is that uh, how about you're fired? How about that didn't work? A couple things. Somebody mentioned a teleprompter. You'd think since the Kyle Serafin show, our lowly existence here this is literally done in one of the rooms in the house that i rent you know we set up a little studio space i have a teleprompter they're like a hundred bucks folks they're not that expensive getting a teleprompter so you can look people in the eyes when you give your message instead of doing this this is what she did reading from the screen reading from the screen i continue to read from the screen a disingenuous message is now being read by me from the screen and i will not make eye contact look every single thing was written maybe not even by her it was all like hey if you want to save your job you better write this stuff up and you better do it didn't work. Pretty weak. Not impressive. Okay, that's what happens when you have a lot of pride. I actually just watched a, a, a Netflix, is it Netflix? I think it's Prime Video. They have a, a, a show that goes back to 2012. It was called The Fall. And I don't know who The Fall, who fell, honestly. I, I watched all three seasons and I don't know why they named it The Fall. But The Fall is always about pride and humility and people who have a lot of pride tend to fall. And they get to experience humility whether or not they want to. I think, I think that's the, uh, I think that's the story here. So let's let's bring up this little CNN. The four key takeaways that led to her leaving. Because why not? Because why not? Because CNN knows. Um, it says Les McGill was hired to be the 27th leader of the nearly 300-year-old University of Pennsylvania 20 months ago. She was academic royalty. On Saturday, she resigned in disgrace. Who writes these pieces? I got to look at who wrote this one. David Goldman. That's what I was saying in the chat earlier. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like the the voice that they have when they write these pieces. These people have no idea. This is all just emotional garbage. Born into a family of lawyers and judges, she'd spent decades rising to the top ranks of academia. You have to just read it with like reverence. Like they're writing. This is fiction. That's what this is. This is fan fiction. Uh, Penn had high hopes for McGill. She'd served at the provost at the University of Virginia. She attended law school there. She joined the law school faculty immediately after serving. Oh, you guys are going to love this. She was a clerk to former Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. She was the dean of law school at Stanford. Gold-plated resume. Got her the job. Uh, but she didn't have any skills is what it turns out. <laughs> it didn't serve her when she needed to navigate one of the most serious crises on campus in recent memory. Number one. Key moment number one, Palestine Writes Literary Festival. They had a literary festival September 22nd and 24th. It was controversial even before it got started. Uh, obviously, a lot of simmering anti-Semitism exists right now because Palestine, Gaza, people who support Hamas, people who put Hamas into leadership have overwhelmingly decided that the Muslim people in that area are the victims and therefore rank higher on the hierarchy of victimhood. Key moment number two, the Hamas attacks that happened on October 7th. Of course, uh, immediately we watched some spin happening. And you saw people that were uh, backing the uh, the attack, essentially saying that uh, you know Israel basically earned it and it was their fault. And that was for years and years of starting an open-air prison. You know what's funny about that open-air prison is that uh, at least on one side of it is Egypt, 
who doesn't want those people coming in either. And somehow they managed to get unlimited amounts of rockets and munitions, but they can't get freaking food in. And the people that run Hamas are billionaires that live in Qatar. Does that not bother anybody else? Like, it just continues to sit badly. I actually don't really care what happens in that conflict in so much as I don't want Americans involved. I don't want to spend American uh, blood or treasure there. I don't want our troops, although they probably will end up there just because of the war hawks that we've uh, elected or that we have had selected for us. But end of the day, like, it doesn't actually affect us all that much in America other than it serves as a warning to maybe not trust some of our very, very robust technical collections and maybe go back to the hard work of what we call bricks and sticks intelligence work. But beyond that, like it's a harbinger for the bad things to come. It's the harbinger of what happens when you have a border that's penetrated. Oh, you mean like ours? So all that stuff is strange. Anyway, the uh, the first call for Ms. Uh, McGill to resign was the CEO of a private equity giant called Apollo Global Management, a guy named Mark Rowan. Uh, he was one of the wealthiest donors. He said uh, he wasn't going to give any money to the university. That turns out to be kind of a problem. When you're the university president, your job is actually raising money. Um, she said in a statement that uh, the painful presence of these speakers on campus, uh, she knew that when she had speakers come on that were like really against Jews in general, that it was actually sort of prominently prominently bad. So she says that. Then she sort of noticed that there's a rising anti-Semitic sentiment on campus with the simmering tensions over the Hamas attack and Israel ensuring a war in Gaza. Uh, okay, fine, fine, fine. She said, I categorically condemn hateful speech that denigrates others as contrary to our values. This stuff is all weak. None of them want to make a stand. They're all like, I noticed, I didn't even know she was a lawyer when I was listening to her speak, but I knew that she was a lawyer. And many of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to know that she was actually a lawyer to know that she was doing the lawyer thing. She could have been Chris Ray. She could have been any of these other kind of clowns that get up there and say mealy-mouthed, non-definitive statements that are trying to dance around. That's the problem with having all these attorneys, uh, both in these hearings, but also like running a lot of our country. And Rep Stefanik from New York was the one who was kind of hitting her. And, and she was hitting her, I felt like, like a kindergarten teacher. She was like, how do we play with each other? How do we play with each other? How do we share toys? How do we share toys, Liz? You know, she was just like, and even that was not even enjoyable for me. But it's, it's worth taking these people to tasks if they're going to act like toddlers and try to dance around it. You know, my little kids do the same thing. You'll ask a question and be like, well, I didn't exactly do it that way. Just be honest and own it. And they couldn't do it. Anyway, she lost out on a $100 million gift which came, uh, this was from Stone Ridge Holdings CEO, Ross Stevens, who's a major donor there as well, said he was going to pull back a $100 million gift if she stayed on as president. <laughs> it turns out if you lose $100 million as the president of a university, you're probably not going to be in charge of that university anymore. You can't make this kind of stuff up. These people hate America. They do want to, like, I don't hate the idea of aligning with free speech, but there's such an easy way to do that. But she's dancing and tiptoeing around a bunch of BS. And since she couldn't be honest, she lost her job. Good. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's just, it's really easy. It's like calling for uh, death to the Jews is wrong. We encourage free speech on this campus. Those people have been identified because they're identifying themselves with our actions. We allow free speech, but anybody that is calling for, you know, explicit genocide, you know, is going to be investigated by whatever our little BS councils are. Or we're not investigating anybody, but we condemn it roundly because it's awful. That would be really easy. Like the lawful but awful idea is actually not terrible particularly for something that's funded by federal dollars. Oh, well, she lost her job over the money because people pulled money back. 
But that's the real key of you guys being able to put your money where your mouth is and supporting companies or supporting universities or not. We had a funny little conversation at our dinner table the other day. Mother-in-law was in town. Um, friends of family were in town and they were discussing something and they brought up something about universities and cost of universities, something like that. And I was like, I can't believe people are still sending their kids to universities. If you're sending your kids to universities, you're paying a lot of money for your kids to learn how to hate you. Almost, almost every university falls into that category, y'all. Just saying. They're all ideologically captured. So if you're sending your kids there, you know, are there better plans? Yeah, trade schools, it turns out. They actually used to teach those things where you learn how to do physical skills that is going to keep you alive when things get really, really spicy in this country or Western, as we like to say here. Um, it's a possibility. Just put it in your pipe. If you got young kids, if they're in like early high school right now and they haven't set themselves on the path that they have to go to a school, they're not going to learn something that you can only learn in a school. Consider a trade. You really should. And check out Mike Rowe's foundation because Mike Rowe is awesome on that stuff. It's just there's so much more happiness and you can make a ton of money. If you are a capable tradesperson, you can make more money and have less debt and come out way ahead in the long run. It's it's like it, it's it's more and more the case in this country that we are going to fall back on fundamentals. It's just like every other thing. You get too fancy, you start failing, you got to go back to the fundamentals. The fundamentals is we need plumbers and we need mechanics and we need carpenters and we need people who know how to lay bricks. Like it's real simple stuff. Carry on. All right, we're going to keep moving on from there. Let's uh, let's say, think of speaking of of simple stuff. Like when things go wrong, <laughs> and and you don't have those people, and your society is a bunch of YouTubers and a bunch of lawyers and people that can't do any physical skills. You end up in a, a scenario where you might need a little bit of emergency survival preparation. Some hard skills can be mitigated with a little bit of prep. Go to fourpatriots.com/slash/kyle if you guys want to check out some of the options there. Once again, it's Christmas time. It's outdoor time when it's actually cool enough to go outside in a lot of the country, particularly the American South. Check yourself out. You can dual purpose this stuff as survival and RV options. They got a cool fire starter kit there. They got a whole bunch of other foods you can do. You might as well figure out what to do if you get locked in your Starbucks or your uh, Manhattan apartment and you can't get out to get food. Wouldn't it be nice if you could solve something in your house? You could just have this country breakfast kit, the country girdle breakfast kit. That's an option. Go to fourpatriots.com. Books with them. <laughs> yeah, no, they should just keep that in their building because they can't get to Starbucks because Starbucks ah. is being protested. If you can't get your egg croissant, which or whatever the heck it is that they sell there, you can make this at your house in an emergency because you don't know how to make other foods. So there you go. Uh, check out fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Again, fourpatriots.com slash Kyle, or just go to the website, click through anywhere. You can also just use the promo code K-Y-L-E if you see it. Man, they are everywhere. They are doing a huge advertising blitz all over the, the media you guys are looking at. So if you see it, you can just use it. You can click through anywhere and you can use our promo code K-Y-L-E. Save yourself any of the money that there would be anywhere else. Like they're they're obviously spamming the world because it is a it is a real need right now to be prepared. Water filtration, food, having the ability to light up your house, big stuff. Keep your stuff cold so you don't lose all the things that you've got in your freezer. Even if you have a bunch of deer, it's not gonna help you if it's uh it's all thawed out and rotted. Check out them. All right, let's keep pressing on because we got a couple other things here. Uh, let's do the story about Ron Wyden. This is, you know, you want to talk about scary stuff. Um, the, the the deep state, the administrative state, the government agencies that that continue to infringe on our freedom, they don't walk away from this. Just because all these bad things are converging on leftists at the same time doesn't mean there's not a big pushback. And it's been going on for a long time. They've been building up the tools for it. And uh, Senator Ron Wyden, who is a, uh, he pushed out this this piece to the Justice Department asking a very, very confusing and and 
I guess, thought-provoking question. We knew that there was a possibility of being able to, to exploit Apple technology. If any of you guys have seen my interviews with Dan Bongino, particularly when he still had the Fox show, we went on and we talked about a thing that was called Pegasus. That is a um, an O-CONUS, an outside the United States exploitation of iPhones. But we also talked about a thing called Phantom, which I think I shocked him with when I brought it up. And Phantom is the US-only ability. So the, the DOJ and the FBI particularly said they were not using, they were never using Pegasus, which again, that only handles outside the US phone numbers. That's actually not that interesting to me. They didn't say anything about Phantom and they may have reverse engineered it. And we're also finding out that foreign governments have been using possibly this technology or others to try to get surveillance of people's phones in and out of the United States through the, uh, the push notification records. Now, I want to break this down. Uh, first of all, let me just read the actual statement here. This comes from the letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland. It says, Apple and Google should be permitted to be transparent about the legal demands they receive, particularly from foreign governments, just as these companies regularly notify users of other types of government demands for data. These companies should be permitted to generally reveal whether they have been compelled to facilitate this surveillance practice, to publish uh, aggregate statistics about the number of demands they receive, and unless temporarily gagged by a court, to notify specific customers about demands for their data. There actually is a pretty ongoing uh, practice of these technology companies. If you don't keep it under lock and seal with the appropriate paperwork on a regular basis, the uh, Apple, the Google, the YouTube types, um, T-Mobile is really good about it. They, if, you're, if your request to suppress their disclosure lapses, they will come for you and they will send it off to the users and they'll find out, you'll find out, oh shoot, I actually had a, a government surveillance on me. Now here's the thing that's really scary. Push notification data is the thing that is going around. Every single app you have that you allow notifications, you've seen it on the top of your screens, right? doesn't matter if you have an Android or, or an Apple. It pushes and it'll say like, oh, you've got a text message from Ryan Matta. And he says, hey, LOL, I didn't say that, right? And you go, oh, okay, uh, Ryan Matta's communicating with me. That's not coming from the app. What happens is, is that information from that app goes into the cloud. The cloud goes back in to Apple notifications, the actual company that is either the Android or uh, or Apple in this case, that has the iOS, and they push that notification to you. So everything that's going on in your phone actually goes through, not your phone, but it goes through this clearinghouse in the cloud to allow these notifications. In fact, it's an argument for turning off notifications for a lot of your different devices. When you get a notification, let's say, from your Google Mail, and you're using an Apple, it goes out into the cloud, comes back in and pushes through that notification, which is part of the iOS. So they are actually able to go to one single company and find out all the things that are happening on your phone. They don't need to compromise your device. They can go to the cloud for a lot of this stuff. And that is what uh, Senator uh, Ron Wyden is talking about. And that is really kind of scary for most of us to think about that there is a single clearinghouse for this information. They can actually go grab it and they don't need they don't need to go to every single app individually. They can get it all from one place. Okay. That's the scary stuff. And then those particular NSO technologies, which are Israeli spyware, uh, they have the ability to exploit you with one with no click at all. They literally just send it out to you in a text message format. Once you've received it, it could be from spam or anything else. Boom. Suddenly, now you're compromised in many, many ways. So that kind of stuff kind of scares the crap out of us. Um, all that being said, all that being said, it's not all bad. Because you know that when they do this stuff, when they're doing these kind of things, it also shows sort of an impotent, a, a fear base. We have a, a, a release right now from, from the FBI. This was a coming back. This is a, a press release that I want to show you guys, okay? And 
I just want you to think about how impotent this particular press release is. When I mean impotent, I mean inability to exert any real power. They've got all these tools and they're not working to suppress you guys. And we're going to get to the end of what I mean by there in just a second. Okay. FBI HSI investigates lead to historic war crimes indictment for soldiers allegedly abducted, tortured, and abused U.S. citizens in Ukraine. Now you think, okay, well, that's really good. We got an FBI, we got Homeland Security, and what are they doing? They are investigating bad people doing bad things to Americans, not on American soil. I'm going to tell you why it's so impotent. The U.S. government on December 6th announced that it brought the first ever charges. Anytime you hear the words first ever, historic, never before seen, you should ask, why? Why now? This, this uh, War Crimes Act of 1996 has never been charged. And here we are 25 years later, and they're charging it. Why? Because they're trying to get attention on something like they can do something that they can't. And you're going to find out how much they could. This is a PR move only. It was like uh, indicting all those Ukrainian oligarchs. The soldiers, whose names are unpronounceable to me because I am not Slavic, but their name is Shurin, Dmitry, and two additional defendants known only by their first names, Valerie and Nazar, stand accused of unlawfully confining, torturing, and otherwise abusing an American who was living in Ukraine. Was that American involved in the fight? We don't know. Was that American doing something that they shouldn't have been doing? We don't know. We don't even know why they were there. And they don't even know the names of these people. They just know two full names, maybe, and two first names only. Do you know how stupid that is? This is uh, what we would call last name unknown, Lanou. That's how this guy, that's how these soldiers would be written up. This story would be written like this. Valerie L-N-U for last name unknown. Valerie Lanou and Lazar and Nazar Lanou had been indicted. And apparently those two were the soldiers that were actually doing the work. The other two were the officers that were involved. And this is the claim. On uh, April 22nd, these soldiers under command abducted a victim, a United States citizen, from his home in Mylov in the Kherson district of Ukraine, illegally confined him for at least 10 days. They don't really know, but probably 10 days. And during the abduction, they allegedly threw the victim down on his face while he was naked, tied his hands behind his back, pointed a gun at his head, severely beat him, including with the stalks of their gun. That's the story. So they've been charged for the war crimes and conspiracy to commit war crimes. The defendants are charged in particular with the unlawful confinement, torture, and inhumane treatment. All four of them may face life in prison if convicted, the press release states. Chris Ray was the one who went out there and read that. Today's indictment, the first ever of its kind under the United States war crimes statute, makes it clear that the FBI will work in cooperation with the international law enforcement to bring justice to the victims of these atrocities. The human toll of the conflict in Ukraine weighs heavily on the hearts of the FBI and we're resolved to hold war criminals accountable no matter where they are or how long it takes. Do you know what they didn't mention in there, folks? They didn't mention whether or not they actually have the ability to arrest these people, which they don't. And they didn't mention the fact that they have no ability to bring them into U.S. custody because they don't. And they didn't mention the fact that this is an utterly toothless indictment because the, the Russians aren't going to send them over. They don't even know everybody's name that was involved. This is an indictment that is completely nonsensical. This is performative BS. And that's what happens when you realize nobody is, uh, is, is caring what you're doing. That's when Chris Ray finds himself looking out there. They're failing in their indictment um, in all the indictments against Trump. They're failing in the public opinion, somewhere between 60 and 70% of people. Anybody who saw us on Newsmax with Seb Gorka the other day, 60 to 70% of the American people, depending on who you ask, 
do not trust the FBI, including former FBI agents. And I'm not just talking about me and the suspendables. I'm talking about people that retired and used to love it. They don't trust it. There was a big video that went uh, viral with Vivek Ramaswamy uh, talking to a former FBI guy. I have my own take on that. You guys can check it out on Twitter if you want to see what it is. But essentially, many of these people are scared of their own former agency. That's very common that people would be scared of where they used to work. And that just tells you they're feckless incompetence and they are trying to gain positive press because they suck at what they do. This is a great example of it. This article that I'm gesturing to, they're not winning but they are going to come at you pretty hard. And the fun thing for me is that uh, it's like, you're going to indict a bunch of people whose names you don't know. Like that's what you're doing instead of, why don't you go after the person that stabbed the priest? That was clearly trying to stop people from, uh, you know, he went to a rectory and killed somebody at that place. Are we filing federal charges? No, but we did have people on the ground 12 hours after George Floyd was dead doing an investigation into his civil liberties being infringed upon. Uh, Fall of Minneapolis, folks. You should check that sucker out for sure, 100%. And uh, make sure you've hit the like button if you're sitting here watching on any of our channels, uh, particularly if you're watching us on Rumble. That's where we want to see it. We want to see you in the live chat. I really appreciate all of you guys out there. We're going to continue to grow. Let's keep pushing forward because the last person on the convergence and that circle that I showed you, hold on, put up our thumbnail one more time. We're just going to get a lot of mileage out of this because I really like the way it looks. Thumbnail. (laughs) There it is. Who's the last person on there? We got Chris Ray. We've talked on that. We talked about Sheila. We're going to hit Biden in just a second here. But let's do let's do McCarthy. Some of you guys may have seen this. There are a couple of videos that are running wild. Apparently, Kevin McCarthy, who's going to step down at the end of the year, he's not even going to complete his term. He's going to even leave the Republican minor, uh, majority even th- slimmer than it was. He's going to walk down. And he's been running on this like little circuit of saying the same thing over and over again. We got a video of it. It's pretty incredible, actually, in a lot of ways. Let's play video number three. We may end up playing it more than once. I've seen this in multiple settings, in multiple outfits. Apparently, this is his new talking point. I guess he's going to try to run for something in California. Maybe he'll run for governor. It doesn't really matter if he runs as a, as a Republican or a Democrat right now because his talking points don't seem very Republican. Do video number three for me. Democrats, and they stand up. They look like America. We stand up. We look like the most restrictive country club in America. And I decide then either I am going to be the leader of a declining end of a party or I have to change the opportunity in this party. So I embrace in something else, okay? Since that time, we've elected the most women, Republicans, the most minority Republicans ever to the House. But to do so, I'm going to have to ruffle feathers. So for a Republican woman or Republican minority to win, the, the November election is not their tough election. It's the primary. So what I do is I would engage in primaries. He just told you. What uh, what Marcy told us on the show the other day, that the primaries are where the Republicans win the establishment vote. Did you guys hear that? He just gave it up and he gave it up to Aaron Sorkin, of all people. You guys know Aaron Sorkin. He's uh, that guy that uh, Tucker Carlson referred to as a fushy little douche. And he was uh, interviewing Elon Musk. Apparently, he does this sort of thing all the time. He's getting Kevin McCarthy to lay the quiet part out loud. I also think that Kevin McCarthy might be getting speech coaching from the person who coaches Joe Biden. That's a weird move. That little like, I'm going to whisper a little bit here to make it sound like it's more important. Very weird take. Uh, but you remember Kevin McCarthy? You remember who he was? What he said is he engaged in primaries, didn't he? Let's pull up the uh, let's pull up the national file story that we've got here, Ryan. And let's cover about what went on with that uh with that primary situation. Here's a story from our friend Frankie Stocks. He's been on the show before. 
McCarthy used FTX cash to defeat conservatives in 2022. Hmm. McCarthy used left-wing oligarch money to fund a secretive anti-MAGA campaign within the GOP to protect his establishment speaker ambitions. The only way that he was able to keep that narrow majority, which is what he actually wanted, was going after all the people that were America first MAGA types and, and funding the primaries of people that were very much conservative uniparty types. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? The GOP establishment leader and McCarthy, this goes back over a year now. Kevin McCarthy used FTX cash to defeat conservatives in 2022 as the corrupt globalist tied crypto exchange funded establishment wings of both parties. Now, don't take our word for it. Don't take a right wing source like National File. Let's actually just pull up what they said over at, uh, at Business Insider. I'm going to pull that one up. And there it is. FTF's executives gave cash to 37% of Congress. It was 196 members of Congress were given money by FTX executives, including Sam Bankman-Fried. You remember that guy, guy who's facing like life in jail for taking billions of dollars from people and running some weird sex polycule, whatever the hell that is. Very strange. 37% of the members of Congress. One third of Congress was on the take from this group, including House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Now, I saw some other articles from some uh, smaller publications that I couldn't validate that said as much as $2 million going to Kevin McCarthy. That's an awful lot of change when people are giving out like $2,500 donations. Think about the amount of money you've ever given to a politician or a political campaign. You think that with $2 million, they might listen to you? Because I suspect they might. And that's what we're talking about here. The uniparty funding goes like this. Uh, I'm going to not fight you. You're not going to fight me. We're going to defeat all the people that are radicals, that are America first, that uh, think the tea goes in the harbor. We're going to keep them out of office because they might actually try to you know, cause some problems. And we're going to keep the Sheila Jackson Lees. We're going to keep the Kevin McCarthy types. And we're going to keep all the people that are willing to play ball and vote for the new FBI headquarters because there's a lot of money there. We really need that headquarters in Maryland. You know, We need to spend a billion dollars on putting the largest building out there for our intelligence agency. I was just on Seb Gorka's thing and they asked me about it. And I said, you know, when you replace the G in government with the G that's supposed to be for God, then why not build a big cathedral to the FBI, your police state apparatus, your attack dog? I mean, cathedrals have always been named after people who were uh, sort of prominent saints that were great examples to the people there. And why not build one to the FBI, which is a great example of following orders and doing what you're told. And there you go. That's Kevin McCarthy. But, 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 but the good news the good news is, and it's not all bad, is that it's not over here. None of this is actually working the way they think. They're all chasing their tails, and Americans are watching this and seeing this information come in and dismissing it almost immediately. They're saying, I don't believe you. I think you're full of crap. That's why Trump's in the middle of that rabbit hole in our thumbnail today. It's convergence. All of these things are all flooding together and they are all going down the same damn rabbit hole. They are all swirling in a big vortex that equals not what they expected. Can you imagine spending billions of dollars on marketing and messaging campaigns and not having the desired outcome? How in the world is that possible? 
We're going to tell you in just one second. First, I want to support my friend over at the-dispendables.com. Let's go ahead and pull up Garrett O'Boyle's sweatshop. He's been out of town. Hopefully, he's buried in orders when you guys get back in. Check out. This is the hoodie. This is the light-duty hoodie. It's perfect for people who live in Texas. It's like 40 degrees outside right now. It's not very cold. You could go for a jog in this and probably even still take it off. It's a a pretty darn good-looking one, although my wife tells me I'm too old to be wearing a young-looking hoodie. I think it's pretty pretty stellar. Check this out. I even got my, my thing set up. I can put my hat on. There you go. I can look like a druid. If I want like green arrow. Oh, that is kind of green arrow fighter for justice, slinging, slinging bow and arrow in the silent yeah. fight for shooting bad guys. Check out the dash suspendables T H E. Don't forget the dash suspendables.com. Use promo code Kyle. That'll save you a couple dollars in there only because why not? It doesn't go to anybody. It's just a little bit decent, a little pricing. And they'll know that you're coming from the Kyle Seraphin show. I don't know where else you'd be coming from. I don't know anybody else that's advertising him, but there it is. The dash suspendables.com. You can, Ryan Matta is too. There you go. You guys can click through it. It's in the chat. If you're looking on the live chat, if you're not in the live chat, rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin is where you need to go. Give us a thumbs up and a like on that. Uh, click through the suspendable stuff. They got all kinds of cool stuff. Check this out. I reach off camera here, but we got the patches. I've got some of those. I'm going to put some on some plate carriers. We'll probably hang them up on the wall. You can still get the pins. The pins are on there. Seb Gorka put them on on Newsmax while we were being interviewed the other day. He put on them. Some of you guys have asked. We've got two different sets of them, okay? We've got the white ones that you can buy, and the black ones have to be awarded, and we will hand out the, the black ones as needed. So you guys will see that um, as things go on. But uh, buy the three of those. If you want to uh, buy one for you and two to hand out or whatever, I think you end up getting free shipping on them, and the discount goes down to like 30 bucks for three pins. Costs us a couple bucks to make them. Costs a little bit to ship them. 30 bucks is the flat rate. I think you even get the 10% off if you put in my, my promo code there. So send that sucker out, and then you guys got little stocking stuffer gifts that are really cool looking. People will really like those. You can put them on a hat. You can put them on a dress. You can put them on a blazer. Uh, good to go. Anyway, check out the the-suspendables.com. Okay, so where's this all leading? Uh, is this multi-billion dollar marketing campaign successful? Is it winning? Let's show them. Topic number 11, Ryan. What, what do we got here? Kaboom. Uh-oh. CNN again showing Trump leads Biden in Michigan and Georgia as broad majorities hold negative views of the current president. This was just released this morning by two writers, uh, two lady writers over at CNN. The former president, Donald Trump, has the upper hand over Joe Biden in critical battleground states of Michigan and Georgia, with broad majorities in both states holding negative views of the sitting president's performance on the job. They don't like his policy positions, and they don't like his sharpness. They His sharpness. I think his sharpness is a nice way of saying this. Can we play the first video? Uh, this is Joe Biden talking about gun control. He's, he's very convincing. Guys, let Joe Biden make his argument for gun control real quick for you. Let's listen to video number one. ID, if you were driving your automobile here, and you left in the key in the, in, the, in the parking lot, you left the key in the ignition, and the kid came up and jumped in and stole it, and they got in a crash, you're liable civilly. Why in God's name do people not have to lock up their firearms? Why is that not a requirement? All these mass murders, not, not this weekend, but have been because people have picked up kids and grabbed stuff off of counters, off of the... Anyway, I don't want to... I should act angry. We need to ban assault weapons high-capacity magazines. That's hard to hear. All these kids, they've been picking things off counters, and they've been going on these shootings. I mean, not this weekend, but not, but like, but anyway. Um, if you have a car and you don't have the keys, and then somebody can't drive the car. But if they did have the car keys, and they could drive the keys, and they could, they could go somewhere with the keys, and then uh, they drive them off the counter, and then the mass shootings. Are you serious? 
How is that guy in charge of anything? What's going on here? Trump's margin for over Biden in a hypothetical matchup is significantly boosted by support from voters who say that they did not cast a ballot in 2020. Oh, they weren't even part of the 81 million. They just think that uh, Trump is better. The voters are breaking in Trump's favor by 26 points in Georgia and 40 points in Michigan. People who didn't vote in 2020 are coming out big time looking at the Trump stuff, hugely, if you will. Those who reported voting in 2020 say they vote for they broke for Biden in, the, in that election, but now they're tilting in Trump's favor in 2024. In both of those states, pretty critical, with Biden holding fewer of his uh, 2020 backers than Trump does. So people who, who back Trump still back Trump. People who back Biden also back Trump uh, in a higher percentage. Just 35% in Michigan and 39% in Georgia approve of Biden's overall job performance, the survey finds. And the majorities in those states say his policies have worsened the economic conditions in the country. 54% say that in Georgia. That's more than half. And 56% in Michigan. Can you play that video again? I'm, I'm curious why. This guy seems pretty squared away. Like, it seems like he's got it figured out. Why would you doubt his job? It's weird. Play video one. I think if you were driving your automobile here and you left in the key in the, in the, in the parking lot, you left the key in the ignition and the kid came up and jumped in and stole it and they got in a crash, you're liable civilly. Why in God's name do people not have to lock up their firearms? <laughs> right there is good. <laughs> Most voters in both states say Biden, who is 81, does not have the attributes that they're looking for in a president when it comes to his policy positions, his ability to understand problems of people like them, or his sharpness and stamina. 69% of people in Michigan and 66% in Georgia have a problem with his sharpness and his stamina. Ah, uh, if we could just play clips like that all day long, which we could because there's unlimited amounts of Joe Biden not making any damn sense. And then whenever he gets himself dug in a hole because he's old and he's senile and he's confused, he just. But anyway, I don't want to bother you with this, uh, this thing, because I've now confused myself and I don't even know where I am. OK, so that's the point, my folks. We are getting to the point where all these things are swirling around and all it's done is bump up Donald Trump numbers. So barring the idea that they kill him, which is always a real possibility that we worry about, something that we heard a uh, former FBI agent telling Vivek Ramaswamy to be careful of. And I know Trump has very good security, but that's a real concern that they would try to do something stupid like that. Tucker Carlson has landed on as well. If we don't have an election, that's always one possibility. And that may be the only way that they can keep him out of office because, man, Everything they're throwing at this guy doesn't work. And all the leftist lunatics are basically making their own arguments against themselves. We're not going to send you off into the week getting started on a Monday morning uh, in a bad way, in a negative way. We're going to send you off with a little bit of levity, a little bit of smiling. This is the kind of people that you are arguing against on Twitter, I assume. These are the kind of people that you are arguing with that are trolling you on True Social, that are uh, in the comment section making weird statements. Make sure you let me know the name of your favorite troll in the comments below here on Rumble. Please put them down there, not in the chat, but actually go down to the comments and leave us one. We appreciate the algorithmic boost. But moreover, I'll read who your favorite trolls are. I assume all of them sound just like this poor uh, woman. She's obviously a female, even though she's trans non-binary. Let's play this trans non-binary person who's very, very confused. Uh, video number seven. Let's go off with some humor. I came with Queers for Palestine. I'm a trans non-binary person. I believe we're not free until everyone's free. Queer liberation, queer people live in Palestine. There's pinkwashing going on and people are trying to tell queer people that they can't be part of what's going on in Palestine. And I just want to be here for queer Palestinians and for every Palestinians because what's happening is just... 
I'm just here for the queer Palestinians. Can you show that one more time and show her face with that crazy hair mop she's got out there? She's got all the things. She's got the facial piercings. She's got um, bad ideas that don't make any sense to anybody. And then she's also got the mop of hair that is more than one color. You guys seeing this? She's like a chick with a face piercings with mullet. She's wearing a tie because she's trans non-binary. Obviously, if you're a woman and you want to be a man, you just need to put a tie on. Just like if you're a dude and you want to be a chick, you need to put on high heels and a dress and pearls. And presto, changeo, you are in fact the thing that you desire to be. So weird. Such a strange time to be alive, 2023. I don't know how we got here, but uh, if those people are on the other end of it, I think Trump wins swimmingly because not very many parents are thinking, I just hope my daughter grows up to be a trans non-binary queer for Palestine in a tie in a street rally. I don't think parents are looking out there and just hoping that's the case. I got three daughters. I don't want that for any of them. I don't want them to even know those people. That's why we homeschool. All right, folks, that's it for us today. We got a couple of uh, rumble rants we'll throw up on the screen real quick here. We appreciate you guys throwing those out in the chat. <laughs> Tech penis now shocked. Wait, Pegasus to be used outside the United States phones can simply be maneuvered to, pen to send phones that signal bounce off a tower somewhere outside the U.S. and then they grab it. Yeah, Tucker's actually incorrect because it's all it's it's non-U.S. based phone numbers. That's the way it works. So it's not based on where it is. So uh, that's why they created another program, which is called Phantom, and that made it easy. And I saw Eric Jason. There you are scrolling through it. Smash the like button. God wins. Uh, we do appreciate that. Eric Jason, you guys can follow him at Eric Jason, S-O-N at the end of the Jason Eric Jason on True Social. He moderates our uh, our Suspendables group on True Social, and he's always in our chat. Speaking of Suspendables. What's that? What you got here, Kyle? What is that? Dude, it's on the can we say thanks right now to Mr. Roush, who's in our chat, Crystal Welding. They made us this like really cool fire pit. I'm showing it on the screen right now. Uh, if you guys need to go to the this point in time, check this thing out. Multi-sided, come and suspend it. Suspendables, Betsy Ross, Banner. A fire going inside of there. I don't show the other pictures because my kids are on the outside of it. My kids were like gathering around, losing their minds, having a fire. Um, you don't need TV. You don't need Netflix. You don't need cartoons. You just need a fire. What we used to call Ranger TV. Ranger TV is way more enjoyable than any. Car I got more. I got more mileage out of a couple of pieces of wood than any show ever would. We were out in the backyard the other day. So we appreciate you, Chris, uh, making this thing and sending it to us. There's probably going to be some kind of a deal we're working out. So you guys can order this at the Dash Suspendables in the future. Something like this. If you're interested in it, give me some thumbs up in the chat. Check out those cool pictures, though. It just looks badass. There's no other way around it. It's freaking badass. <laughs> it's on my Twitter page if you guys want to take a look. But uh, all that being said, we appreciate all of you guys for listening. We appreciate the five-star views. They continue to climb. I don't know if we're going to get to 1,000 by the end of the year, but we're going to give it a shot. We're going to try to get to 900. You guys can leave your own five-star review and have it read on the show, on the link in the show description. Here's this one from Kath H saying, officially, my favorite podcast now. We're seeing more and more of this. So pretty, uh, pretty encouraging and very humbling, honestly. It says, thank you. And the uh, expendables, she means the suspendables, for the for your service. Appreciate your honesty and the humor, the way you talk about our current events. I now listen to you before any of my other favorites. So well done. Man, if we're taking spot number one on your list, we do appreciate that. I really do. Um, it's, it's very humbling to see how many of you guys have come out here. It's been a really big year. We'll do a year in review. We're coming up on our 200th episode. I have a couple of guests in mind for that. I've asked a couple of folks. Um, one way or another, we'll make the 200th pretty big. It'll be a friendly Friday, and we'll bring on somebody, and we'll do a guest interview on there that you guys will like. But stick around. We're going to have some fun interviews as we wrap up this year, and uh, it keeps getting stupider and weirder. So we're grateful for you guys coming to see us in the morning. Live chat, rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Make sure you're following Ryan Matta at Ryan Matta Media on True Social. You can follow him. I'm sorry, on uh, Twitter, and you can follow him at Ryan Matta on True Social. Check him out on LFA TV if you guys want to hear that. If you're into the flat earth, I don't know what you guys are all about. You got to be following Ryan if you guys are into that. If you're not, you keep coming here. We'll see you. <laughs> we'll see you again. Uh, have a good day. 
just be careful. There's a lot of queers for Palestine out there. You never know when they might pop up wearing their tie. And uh, God bless you all. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.